0: I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I gave an account of my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. Father God, do that right now. Broaden our understanding, Lord. Cause us to understand the way of your precepts. We understand, Lord, that your word is powerful, it's alive, it's active, and we're going to Come into it today. And I pray that it meets us right where we are, especially as we live in the most affluent country in the world. And Amos deals with this very thing directly, over and over and over again. So let us hear directly from you. Keep us, Lord, from deceitful ways. Be gracious to us now. Teach us your law. We pray and we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. We may be seated. I do want to remind everybody that we do a family worship for the next two months. We'll resume Life Kids uh, in August. Uh, parents, I want to tell you right now, your restless children are less distracting, okay, to others than the adults who might snore in the service. So it happens and so don't you Worry a thing about that. Uh, Today we are one quarter of the way through this series on the minor prophets, right? And so we've been talking about these guys, and we did an intro uh, a couple weeks back, and then we've we've, we've done Hosea, Joel, and now we're moving on to Amos. And here's the thing: when you study these prophets, you know that that they can be categorized uh, a couple of different ways. For example, Uh, They can be categorized by the kingdom in which they served, influenced, wrote, talked to, right? Uh, Another way, and this is interesting to me, is that they can be categorized by the emphasis of either are they a prophet of doom or a prophet of encouragement. You see, when, when the kingdoms split, And we have the divided kingdoms. And then when they were then conquered by foreign adversaries, God allowed them to be punished. God allowed the foreign adversaries. He even, as we saw last week, used some of the foreign adversaries to discipline his people. But when they were taken into captivity, he didn't just leave them there and forget them. He would send messages through some of these prophets. And a lot of these messages would be messages of encouragement. And so some of these prophets wrote during the time of exile. But prior to the exile, the prophets who served were known as prophets of doom. Hosea, Joel, Amos, all prophets of doom. Sounds like Indiana Jones, right? And so today we have another message from a prophet of doom. And so you know it. I told you this Couple weeks ago I really feel that these prophets as we're studying right now are speaking directly to the American culture in which we live that's certainly true with everything that Amos has to say the name Amos means burden the man Amos was a farmer he was a shepherd he was not a cookie-baker You know living out in California somewhere Um, he was a shepherd and he lived within the boundaries of the kingdom of Judah Uh, but he was called by God to leave his his job to leave his livelihood and to go into the Israeli kingdom to preach a message of repentance and returning to the Lord Jeroboam II was king and his reign lasted 41 years And for the most part it was a time of peace that eventually led to prosperity because the kingdoms of Israel and and Judah were both very peaceful it it allowed for uh, the trade routes to be stabilized and the economy took off and the people knew prosperity like no other time in the history of their divided kingdoms and as a shepherd Amos found a good market for his wool in northern cities, but he realized something about God's people, and it was the very message that God was giving to him. He realized that economic prosperity can bring evils that can destroy a nation, and this is the gist of his message to Israel. The spiritual enemy of the people of Israel was not some outside aggression or some demonic Small g, God, idol. That's not what they're dealing with within this time period. They're dealing with prosperity. It was a generation of people that knew peace. They did not go to war. And that led to prosperity. And yet they were considered to be just as wicked as the generations who actively participated in idol worship. Church, let that sink in. God reminds the people, his people, of his heart's desire for us. Amos chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Hear this word, people of Israel. The word the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. The two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. Like we were, like, we're, we're in it a good little ways. We're in it a couple of chapters, and, and Amos is going to remind the people of God's message of I have chosen you. The Hebrew word for chosen was used in ancient treaties to describe a sovereign's commitment to a man in a special covenant relationship meaning this word chosen was very serious. They alone were God's people. Think about it. All the peoples of earth, God had one people group that he said, you are mine. The only nation he had ever really chosen to watch over and to care for. Pay attention to what verse 3 says. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? God's not going to force any of us to walk with Him. He desires for us to want to walk with Him. He wants us to want to be in an intimate relationship where we travel through life together. But He's not going to force you, can He? Yes. He he can manipulate your heart. He can do all kinds of things with your heart to make you want it. But he's not going to do it because of who he is. He wants you to desire to walk with him. And so in this text, peace came. With peace came prosperity. And with that, the people lived a life where they were religious, but they weren't relational. When you step back and you looked at the culture during this time period, you would sit there and you would say, oh, man, these people, they, they've got it all together. Man, they—they—they—these these people, they're, they're church-going people. They're regular people. They're showing up and they're doing all the stuff. They're doing all the things that God wants. Amos five twenty-one. This is God, okay? <clears throat> I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. A stench. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. I mean, that's God. saying to his people. I don't like your Activities. I don't like, I don't care for your religious activities. Why, why would God hate or despise your religious festivals? Also known as Sunday morning church services. Why would he not accept their offerings? God says, away with the noise of your songs. And it's not because they sound like me when they sing. Now think about this text. I think about what is happening with these people in their time period. And I wonder. Does God think this about the church in America today? Does God think this about Life Ridge this morning? I mean, we're, we're going to wrap this service up. 40, 50 minutes, and we're going to walk out the door. Man, our next thoughts are going to be all about us. I mean, it's going to be about our afternoon. It's going to be about our lunch. It's going to be about our plans. That's, the, that, that, I mean, that, that's, that's literally what's going to happen. We're going to check the box if so I went to church today, and I got challenged, I got my toes stepped on a little bit, and then, and then it is back to me. Parents, I think we can relate to this, right? I mean, your children, you think about it, Sykes children, pay close attention to this, your children live carefree within the kingdom of your family, right? Your home. I mean, they live there carefree. They wake up, they just live life, and things are there. Every essential to life and then some is provided for them. All the stuff that they need. The clothes on their back, the food that they're going to eat, everything is provided for them. <clears throat> but as good parents, as responsible parents, you, you, you have some expectations in that relationship. You're going to teach them responsibility because you don't want them to be a burden on society, right? So you're going to train them for the future when they will have families and homes to manage. You ask them to do chores. You ask them to do some things around the house. Now, some of you have overachieving children, and when you say "clean your room," man, they just bells on their feet. And they just run up there and they clean it, and they do it way But then there's some that kind of do this kind of half-hearted. <laughs> You ask them to do the chore, and, and then they, they half-heartedly do the chore, and they do it at the very last second. When we sit in we're like, oh, my gosh. They, they, they take the blessings of this world provided by you for granted. I mean, that never happened. I know I never did. You talk to my parents. Because, I mean, I was Johnny on the spot. I was always never grateful <laughs> about it. Right? You're in church, huh?
1: They misuse
0: the blessings. parenting where we wonder or we even express it out loud, why bother? It's just easier to think. And I wonder, does God feel this way about you? And your efforts this morning to come together with like-minded people to sing from hopefully the overflow of your heart, to give from the overflow of your heart, to remember the sacrifice that was paid on Calvary out of the overflow of your heart, to walk this thing out today through next week out of the overflow of your heart. Or does he look there and say, Amos is writing to a group of people going through the motions of religious activity and their hearts are not devoted to God. The church, Christ did not come for you and I to be prisoners to systems and processes and regiments and traditions. He came so that we could be connected to him, so that we could become like him in all avenues of life. But Amos chapter six tells us the real issue. Verse one says, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come, go to Kalna and look at it. Go from there to great Hamath and then go to Gath and Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? You put off the day of disaster and bring near a reign of terror. Understand what's taking place here. With the pursuit of prosperity in their life, Comes with spiritual idleness. We talked about that a little bit last week. Or as Amos writes, complacency. Woe to you who are complacent. Church, have you become complacent in your relationship with the Lord? Verse 4 says, you lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful full and use the finest lotions, but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and lounging will end. He is challenging the people because they have become so complacent because of how good life is. So, man, you you're actually laying down in beds. They're comfortable. They're fancy. The, the, the Sykeses are divas in a lot of ways. Okay. One of those ways is we're very picky about our mattresses. We have the same mattress. Once we found the mattress that we like, we have the same mattress in every room in our house. Alright? We got kings, we got queens, and that's it. And we like them so much that we actually have a bedroom over at Amanda's dad's cabin in the mountains. We have a mattress there too. Alright? Like 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 we're we're mattress divas. We go away. Like, we used to make fun of my parents because my parents would, like, take their pillows everywhere they traveled. Like, man, what's wrong with you old people? Guess what? What kind of mattress y'all got? Hey, I don't know if we're going to stay there or not. Like, like, my mom and dad are like, you know, if we buy the same kind of mattress, would well, you think you might come stay with us Everyone, one of well, you might. Yeah, that's a good start. Go ahead. <laughs> right? Because you're sleeping in these beds that are adorned with ivory. They, they have ivory decorations. I don't care about that decorations. But I'm right here with them. You lounge in your couches. You don't have to sit on the floor. You don't have to sit on them You know, metal like folding chairs or anything. You don't have to sit on milk crates or whatever you can find. Y'all know I literally write these sermons in the wee hours of the morning throughout the week from my recliner. I never write sermon in here. I write these sermons every morning from my recliner. And Jocelyn knows. It's her recliner when she comes over. Jocelyn knows I got an electric recliner. I don't even have to pull the handle, to drum, right? And the thing just kicks up like this right here. I got the button. And you just push the button and the little, little motor goes, and you set it to where you want it whatever whatever position is maximum comfort for you i got that that's how i write my sermons right there Can i give you a little blanket i set it up and i go to town because you you're eating the choice food you're 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 eating the finest of all foods you're, you're getting chick-fil-a every day of the week except Sunday because they love the lord like, 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 like you my goodness, you're 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 special. You like you don't have just one guitar. No, 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 no. You you got guitars, man. Like 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 you you got several guitars to improvise and to make music on. You're drinking wine not by the goblet. You're drinking wine by the. Bowl full. Y'all see those people at the restaurants, right? Like, hey, I went, to, I went to the Mexican restaurant and I didn't order the small margarita. I ordered the bowl, you know, the fish bowl margarita. And oh, no, we're not sharing.
1: No, we're not sharing. Oh, uh-uh,
0: you get your own fish bowl margarita. He's like, you're not drinking wine, but just a little bit of choice wine, man. You're drinking about a bowl full. Oh. And look at you. You're using the finest of lotions available that's so, by the way you know you're not using the off brain <clears throat> that the, the equate bar soap y'all remember the stuff like kids back in our day our bathrooms at school actually had bar soap in it all right, i know yeah, everybody's got the little hand pump things are all automated if y'all ripped them off or done something like that with them uh but but you used to have bar soap set out and it was this like like i think the name of it was lava i can't remember but it was like sandpaper with a little bit of you know soap around it and like it literally just <laughs> It didn't it it took the germs off by just scraping the top layer of skin like, that's 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 how the, that's how it works. right y'all remember that stuff right because you, you you're not using the Equate soap in your home man you're upgrading to that like you know Aveeno body wash with exfoliating coconut oil and cucumber mist or something like that, you know, that that's what you're using and here's the thing i know what you're tempted to think right now because i'm an american too you're tempted to justify what you have i got sensitive skin that stuff that stuff right there man makes me break out i just don't know about it you're tempted to justify all the stuff that you have you're tempted to think this does not apply to me because and I don't have the nicest of nice stuff, man. I don't. I don't. Michael. I don't have electric recliners like you, or I don't use Avino soap. If that's even a thing, I think it is. I don't. I don't have those super super nice things. Church, let me give you some news. We all live lavished lifestyle compared to half the world's population. And I'm not here to beat you up and to make you feel guilty about the stuff that you have, the houses that you live in, the places that you go. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to beat you up over the desires of your heart. Do you desire to walk with God or is your greatest desire to build a really nice life with a really comfortable retirement as you enjoy the finer things along the way like like, like, where is your heart's true desire are your thoughts throughout the day more on your work life and how you can you know exceed and and get better at work and, and make more money and be more productive are, are your thoughts on your extracurricular hobby life and, and, and the things that I like to do in my spare time? Are, are your thoughts on your social life? Or are your thoughts throughout the day do they gravitate towards God? We gotta notice the pattern of Angus's message here. There was peace throughout the nation and with peace came prosperity and with prosperity came complacency and A.W. Tozer says that complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth and then please pay attention to verse 7 do Don't just like read over that therefore you will be among the first to go into exile. your are feasting and your lounging will end. He, he's talking to the people who have become complacent and he's saying to this entire nation that when they come and they raid and they take over you're going to be the first to be taken into captivity. All that you know is going to come to an end and I'm telling you right now church we must not ignore that promise. That is very much true for us today as it was for them. And please hear my heart this morning. Please hear me. Money is not bad. I do not think that money is bad. Stuff is not evil. Mandy told me today she, she, was, she got to go to Georgia. This is just crazy. She got to go to Georgia, got to hang out with uh, uh, aunt and uncle and cousin. And, and the cousin was, was telling us, telling a man about an acquaintance, somebody that, that, that they know, that we know that goes to uh, our, our sister church over in Gainesville, uh, Lanier Christian Church, and, and, and these people owned, get this, these people owned um, storage units, that's what they owned, they built these things up and they did it in Gwinnett County and Jackson County, they had like three like massive storage units. And, and she told me, she's like, yeah, they got tired of dealing with all the stuff, all the, all the shenanigans. I everything that goes with it, run the business and everything, so they sold it. She says, you know what they sold it for, Michael? Like, like, I got idea like, I don't even know how big these things are. $48 million. That's what this couple sold this business for. $48 million. And the business is storing people's junk. It's storing people's stuff. And I'm here to say, church, stuff in people. Nice vacations are not of the devil. Hallelujah. But the pursuit of these things over a steadfast pursuit of God, however, is idolatry. And with the lifestyle that these things provide, we can be duped into a false sense of security, and we can become complacent. Listen to a couple of biblical warnings here. Proverbs 11, 28. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Again, I say to you, do not be tempted to think that you do not trust in your riches. It's all you've ever known. You've never I mean, I can't speak to every single person in here, obviously. But the majority, you've never had to go without in this country. You've never had to go without to know whether you trust in God or if you trust in your income stream. And in 19 days, we're going to be in a little village called Chetil. It might be the most remote place I've ever been to in in my life if you want to come i still got a couple spots open i can make it happen come with me and i'll prove to you that you as americans trust in your riches we all do it these are people without zero electricity they rely on their faith and the lord to bless them with rain and if it doesn't rain And it's Zimbabwe, and man, there's droughts all the time. If it doesn't rain, crops don't grow. And if crops don't grow, they don't eat. They do not have electricity. They don't don't have the luxury of refrigeration and deep freezers to buy their bulk stuff from Sam's Club and freeze it for the winter months to get them through. They don't have that luxury. They spend hours on their knees as a church praying for rain. It dawned on me this morning when I was thinking through this this text. The number of times that I've reached out to Dr. Bungu over the history of of the years now, and the number of times when I've asked for things to pray for and needs rain, is something that he takes very seriously. Because they stayed in such a drought and if they don't get rain they don't have crops but for us I mean we we, we we gripe and complain I gripe and complain I, 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 I gripe and complain about inflation and the cost of everything eggs milk whatever we've all been there we've had the conversations make groceries are so much more expensive right now than they were even though know, they're coming down a little bit groceries are still so much more expensive than they were just a, a few years ago so you know what we do we make a few cuts from the expense column you know we only eat out maybe three times a week instead of five we, we cut back maybe we don't buy all name-brand stuff you know we buy some off-brand stuff save, save some pennies we ask Brittany when the deals are We're to buy one get one for each public publics ours, She tells us, and we go take advantage of those things. That's that's, that's what we do. We, we make some very you know simple alterations to our life, and then we press on like nothing. Temptation to trust in our riches, to trust in our ability to make money, our income stream very much part of our culture Proverbs warns us of that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 almost done promise as for what was sown among thorns this is the one who hears the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful the deceitfulness of of riches choke the word you know what that means it means we we justify our lifestyle we we, we let the world's interpretation of money infiltrate into what God's word says we justify our lifestyle and and Jesus like I guess what I mean you know this parable but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, what does it do? It chokes out the very word and it proves unfaithful. Paul Tripp says that money can function as an ingredient in a lifestyle that, at street level, forgets God, God's existence, and His plan. This lifestyle is more about personal glory than God's glory and it reduces one's expenditure of money to personal desire, self-defined need in the pursuit of individual (laughs) comfort and pleasure. Those caught in that lifestyle may not theologically deny the existence of God, but their money supports a lifestyle that ignores it. The people that Amos is writing this to have the same, in my opinion, problem that we have as our culture. We try to live our life with the maximum amount of comfort and we try to sprinkle what God's word and what he desires for our life into it. The deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. So, we can't all Sell everything we have, give it to the poor, and just go be homeless. I do believe that God has blessed you. I believe that God has given you the ability to think, to manage, to be good stewards of. I I, I believe that, that, that God has blessed us as a church to do the same thing. But it's still, the temptation of becoming complacent is still there. It's easy when you can trust in your riches and not have to rely on God. So church, how do we, how do we guard against complacency? How, how do we guard against spiritual idleness? So there's a couple of things I want to share with you. Five, actually. Five things to guard against complacency. Number one is knowledge. Okay, you you got to know that this is a possibility. You you, you got to know that 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 you could fall victim to this. Yesterday I was coming back from Coleman and I I stopped at one of my favorite places and and, and that's the uh, oh gosh just escaped my head the bakery. Um, y'all know what I'm talking about uh, the bakery between my house. Who gotcha. Dutch Oven Bakery, thank you very much. You've never been there? It's a great bakery. Now they've got these like freeze-dried okra chip things (laughs) that I told myself that's why I'm going in there because they're okra and I'm thinking, hey, that's a nice little healthy snack. At least I tell myself that. They're amazing and I I don't know what it is, but they do something to make them like just, yeah, good stuff. I'm going to stop for those. I walked out of there with a little cheesecake and blueberries on top of it, so I considered it to be healthy, right? I walked out of there with some rolls that we ate for dinner and just flat out amazing, by the way. I didn't go in there for that. But Michael's, Michael knows what's in the Dutch oven bakery. He knows that the possibility of him buying these things because he goes and he associates with this stuff, that he enters into that environment, that that is a possibility. And I just don't quite have the self-control just yet to walk in there and just get the freeze-dried Oprah stuff. Church, we live in the Dutch oven bakery. And we've got to know that it's a possibility for us through the lavishness of our lifestyle to become complacent so how to guard against it number one know that you can fall victim to it number two use the gifts that God has given to you for the betterment of the kingdom I look around this room and I know that God has blessed you richly the word of God tells us that every single one of you have gifts and abilities are you using that for personal gain? Are you using that for yourself? Or are you using that for the betterment of the kingdom? Use your gifts on a regular basis to bless others. do not have to be just life bridge. You don't want to cut grass here because you have the ability to cut grass here? That's fine. Cut grass for somebody else. Third thing, actively say no to self. And yes, to others. It's one of my greatest frustrations. Actively say no. I'm going to stop stop right there because i would going on soapbox Man, are you saying no to self so that you can be and bless and serve other people? Not trying to fit it in to everything else that you got going on. But saying no, I'm not going to do this so that I can bless somebody else. When was the last time you denied self for the sake of somebody else? Fourth thing, be generous. Man, in a couple weeks, our board's gonna talk about money. They're gonna talk about our church finances and they're gonna they're gonna challenge. I'm telling you right now, be generous, church. Don't ever give out of compulsion or guilt. But give generously. If it just needs to be a couple dollars here, there, wherever, give generously. But start there. And then the fifth, and final thing is read. Read, read, read the Bible. This Bible is a miracle gift from God. He has given it to us for the sole purpose of helping us achieve our, what we consider to be our vision at LifeBridge and that's becoming like Jesus. He has given this thing to us. and We go to it every now and then. Don't ever quit reading. I, I, I would say this needs to be the order of things. Love God first and foremost. Secondly, 1A is love his word that is inspired from him and then love your family and everybody else. Because here's the thing, there's a promise in Isaiah that we're closing with right here. My word that goes out from my mouth, he says, will not return to me empty. But it will accomplish what I desire and it will achieve the purpose for which I sent It's you Stay grounded in his word. As you fall in love with his word, he's going to do the work in your life. And we're not going to be. We're not going to be like Israel. We're not going to fall into those traps. Father, we love you. We thank you for the day. We thank you again for your word that you have given to us, God. Father, forgive us for becoming complacent, apathetic, whatever we want to throw in there. Lord, I pray that it is our heart's desire to walk intimately with you. God, I pray that when you look down upon us and you see the attitude of our heart in which we do the things as we gather together, that, that it's it's not a stench to you, that it's not some burnt, some thing that you're just like, I wish I wouldn't even do it. David wrote in Psalms, cause us, Lord. Cause us to understand. Cause us, Lord, to to be obedient. Father, I pray that as we go back to last week, that that if we're falling into the trap of complacency, that that we'll see this as sin, and we'll, we'll repent of this, and we'll return to you. Father, that we will... We will confess our sins to somebody else and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. We'll be held accountable. Father, let this corporate body never become complacent in our faith, no matter what obstacles and challenges are before us. Thank you, God. Thank you for hearing this right now. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.